Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome back to season four of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Now we're kicking this one off in Australia. Y'all know that I've got my little Aussie friends and I'm back over there to start this new season and today I'm speaking to the lovely Lauren. Lauren hello how are you? Hello I'm good how are you going? I'm good I'm good you're not sounding very Australian right now. <laughs> just thinking I was like what the... it's because it's your fault. <laughs> I brought the London accent back out into I know it. I'm like you're right mate how are you going? <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren for people that don't know you who are you what do you do? Okay, so I live in Perth on Western Australia. I have a special interest in dogs that I wouldn't even call myself a dog trainer. I'd call myself a confidence builder. Um, So I really like to sort of open the world for people who want to take, you know, take their dogs out and um, and give them some coping strategies and, you know, build their confidence. And so I've got a lovely little team that helped me um, and my dogs yeah so yeah so sophie so sophie my my lovely little rescue she helps us she's the first she's the first dog that we always in- introduce to um our um like little worried dogs say little worried dogs some of them are 45 kilo german shepherds but you know <laughs> <laughs> no one needs a 45 kilo shepherd just saying yeah <laughs> I, mean, I know whenever people go oh do you reckon you'll be able to handle my dog i'm like Yes, I can, because if I can with the 45 yards. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so Sophie's the first dog that we start off with um because she thinks it's boring and so she doesn't look at anybody. Nice. So that's perfect. No eye contact. She she loves pimping out her bum and letting the dog sniff her bum. And mm. you know, so we we start off with her and then um and then we have so Linda is like my I say Linda helps me but Linda is like part like she's part of all of this so Linda works Sophie and then Linda has her own dog um Haggy who's also um dog selective and people selective uh as well and then um once we build a bit of a relationship with these guys then we we um kind of expand their social circle mm-hmm. and then um so then we start to go to places that they've always wanted to take their dogs and then we have a social group as well so we call it social group but it's more like to maintain skills with mm-hmm. dogs that have gone through the same training and so the, the clients know like how to manage them mm-hmm. and we don't have dogs um uh during those sessions so we can help everybody out so it kind of starts off in a very small controlled environment mm-hmm. and then we get bigger and bigger and then we you know and they can fly the little wings i love that so in the uk one of the big problems we're having um especially since lockdown is just off lead out of control dogs <laughs> right okay like you yeah. know those don't worry it's friendly yeah. comes running over and you're like nothing is friendly about your dog right now oh my goodness i know i know is it it's the hard. same out there or is it a no, little it bit is. better? No, it is. And it's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I, so where where I live and where I do a lot of the training, we've got a big, beautiful lake. And I tell you now, there's so many times I've run around it on my own because I didn't want a dog to possibly run up to, to, to Sophie. And I'm just like anxious about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I've got like a few things set in my mind, what I will do. And I have done it if a dog off lead runs at us. First of all, I wear a high-vis vest that says reactive dog 
need space mm-hmm. and when I'm going in between getting a bike and a dog and I'm running down the street and I don't actually have a dog with me <laughs> people probably think oh, what's going on there she's lost a reactive dog but um <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I kind of plan in my mind what I would do if an off-lead dog came towards me and mm-hmm. I try and practice it because I'm not very confrontational I'm more like oh, can you get your dog please mm-hmm. so the first thing I would do is throw food at the dog so I've always yeah. got food on me so I throw food at the dog mm-hmm. and I've always got a spelly tie- tied around my waist as well mm-hmm. so if it is a friendly dog you know I can hand over you know whatever dog whoever I've got and then I put that dog in a lead and then I can remove them um uh, also oh, I went for a walk with my with my husband around this lake that I hadn't been around in a while and I said to him okay you bring the umbrella and he's like why because it's not raining and I said because if any dogs come up to us I want you to pop up the open the umbrella and like block us mm-hmm. and he's like I'll just fight the dog and I'm like, no you won't <laughs> you can't so you know we didn't need the umbrella but I just you know depending on the day and where we are and how I'm feeling but I always feel more confident in a group so if there's a group of us you know we can branch off and we can get additional help or whatnot Mm -hmm. because even if it's the other dog some of the dogs I'm with they're the dangerous dog and I don't want this like you know this like that their their people has put them in in a compromising position and it's it's not their fault so whoever the dog is I don't want anyone hurt I don't want anybody hurt so um you know I it's, it, it is hard and I feel like I'm a hawk because I'm just like I see, I see a dog over there I see a dog over there and like I'll be out with a friend and I'm like oh there's a dog over there she's like where because I've got really bad eyesight as well <laughs> I was like there's one over there let's put our dogs in the lead I don't want to ruin their walk because I know what because it's you're like, conditioned you know? to yeah, live yeah yeah I know I know I know so, so we call it you know. meerkat walking because you feel like a little meerkat <laughs> yeah oh my god that's so good I like that you can steal it Meerkat I will I'm going to because I'm sure no one's heard it struggle is real it's the same (laughs) (laughs) oh I like that's cute as well so with like with your business so it sounds like you specialize a lot in dogs that are maybe fearful maybe just need a bit more confidence in dealing with the world maybe need some better kind of coping strategies because yeah depending on either previous learning genetics yeah. all of that comes into the big mixing bowl of how dogs are going to cope with stuff yeah um also the type they are you know we have to think about the breeds in the dogs because there are dogs that having a bit of a scuffle with another dog is fun like yeah. we have to accept that some dogs think yeah. of fighting's quite fun some dogs want to hurt other dogs because guess what they're the fun police and are like actually yeah. you're being rude and you are not allowed to do that so I'm going to tell you you shouldn't be doing that yeah yeah any type of shepherdy herdy thing yeah they want order out chaos like yes. yesterday yeah and and I find that so because where I have children as well I have, I do do, I do see a lot of families that have got herding breeds and the dogs, and not necessarily just herding breeds, but a lot of them tend to be because they're so sensitive to the movement. They need predictability. And, you know, so I um, kind of explain to them or show them how to have, um, you know, management, meaning, you know, like your baby gates and things like that. And um, lots of times, like when you go to like stand up and pick up a child, the dog's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And that sets them off. So there's been um, two seconds. Do I do that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, one of the like, things that I know with Dodge, if we have people visiting that have small people, Dodge doesn't like children being lifted up. He's like, whoa, yes. put it back on the floor. They're not meant to be in the air. Put it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there, there's been actually, I, I've come to mind with this um, uh, blue healer, actually. Every time it came to like the bed and bath and whatever routine, that's when he got really stressed out. So he was so smart as well. So what we did was, as soon as um, she would pick up the little girl, I I transferred that as a sick cue. So he he did it straight away. So every time she uh, stood up and picked up the child, he'd sit. It's like he just needed something else to do, like do that instead. And it wasn't a a lot. It was just you know you know sit instead of jump up. Um, you know, and then as 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 the children or the babies like grow and develop, then the management changes as well. So like with my with my little boy who's um two, he'll like do the bubbles for for Sophie so she can herd it all and jump up and do her thing. <laughs> then he'll do like he'll do like a really crappy scatter feed after, which is like just a pile of food on the floor. But <laughs> but you know, it's a way for him to like interact with her and like there's no touching amazing or, um, love that you know he'll do like that that pounce the mouse so he'll he'll just chuck a whole load of food down the hallway and she's <laughs> like what this is wicked I like this guy um so so although like we do I do well I say we because I'm I'm always with with um my with my Linda and my Haggy and my Sophie where we do mm-hmm. help a lot of um dogs outside of the home I still do behavior stuff also like strangers you know people coming into the home so um you know and and showing the clients how to most of the time it's like if you go outside and people throw food at your dog and you don't walk into their space and it's all kind of structured like that they tend to settle really really quickly mm-hmm. so you know just doing demos of, of of that as well and um um but yeah i mean like i have a little bit of separation stuff but i wouldn't say i'm massively confident in that um because of I'm, I'm more with the reactivity mm-hmm. but um so I, I do puppy consults and then I'm the other end of the spectrum so then um you know we uh, start off with puppies and we take them out different places so I can see like their behavior and think okay they need help with that okay well with that they should be resource guarding that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so um so if we can get that like early kind of support and help yeah then um we can get in there quickly and help them as they mature because you I, I I'm sure you when you do your behavior questionnaire when did the behavior start to become notice, noticeable about a year like 11 months old you know basically so, as they're hitting adolescent horrible yeah, well teenagers. yeah as we start yes. to get sexual maturity everything they become less tolerant of everything so these more submissive behaviors become more maladaptive so rather than rolling over going oh my god I don't know what to do um they use a behavior that you know one time worked for them which could be like get away from me and then okay I'm going to do that from now on because no one's picking Mm. up my yawn or whatnot so we try to really try and bring back the um the, like the subtle behaviors so like if if I, if I see the dog yawn or look away I'm like look there's space let's go over here yeah then if the client can see that we start to see those like smaller body language come out rather than mm-hmm. going no one ever listens to me I've got to do this but um it's so interesting though when um when I don't know that the the dog has seen like a previous aversive trainer because um they go from like this conflict of I want to 
see you and be near you but then like because of the history Mm -hmm. and it makes them really unpredictable and dangerous but it's not their fault Mm -hmm. so sometimes it can be like I've got the dogs that I'm thinking in my mind so this really lovely beautiful ridgeback cross Andy I we we, she's lovely she's got like really high resilience she's done like a proper boot camp where it's all the throwing things at your thing and then she's done like the aversive training where um they were actually the next session they were going to do is they were going to throw water bombs at her like and I was like well they said water bombing and I said what I was like, what do you mean? She she said they were going to throw water bombs at her. And I was like, how's that going to help her dog reactivity if you're throwing a water bomb at her? But for what reason? They said because um, her mum, her, so like she's very um, like softly spoken and quite petite. And because she's too soft, she needed to be basically scare a dog. So, So after doing like years of all this, like not nice training the resilience in this dog she never once was scared of me she loves seeing me and you know we're going on walks of like multiple dogs now and I've, I've only probably seen her about five or six times mm-hmm. so it just shows you that you know the kind way is the only way first of all but also like luckily dogs can be resilient and then down the other side of it um can be you know um Again, a beautiful dog. She's so lovely, and it's not her fault. And it's not the not the um her her mum's fault either, because she was told every time your dog jumps up, shock her with a collar. Uh, uh, yeah, right. So she was going to the dog park. Being hang on, like, hang on, hang on. I'm just gonna quickly. So regular listeners will know this, but for oh. new listeners to the season, we do not use the shock collars. Okay, right. I, they're not illegal here. So in Australia, shock collars are illegal. Is that what you've just told no, me? No, they're not. They're not. Oh, they are legal. No, they're legal. Um, they're they're illegal in certain states. They're not okay. illegal in WA. So I'm in I'm in Western Australia. So um I think what where where the stipulation is, the trainer isn't allowed to supply it, but can tell you where to buy it right so they are there's so many that sounds like the most bullshit loophole i've ever heard in my life i know so if someone said to you okay it's illegal for me to supply it for you but can you buy it will you be like oh this doesn't sound right but this is the thing the thing is when you're going to use a aversive method you're you're timing using that device it's the nicest way of putting it my listeners know my opinions on shock colors anyway just no don't shock your dog don't be a dick but your timing needs to be so freaking accurate that to me if you can't click and reward your dog at the right time you sure as fuck shouldn't be shocking them but to be using a shock collar to stop a dog from jumping up the potential fallout oh my gosh so the relationship between that dog and that handler, that dog and that person. You get a dog to live with that dog and to be a team and to work together and to have a lovely life together. Yeah. Not for your dog to be scared of you and fearful of you and not want to interact with you. And Absolutely. to hear a shot collar being used for jumping up, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Well, the worst thing is that because it was in a dog park, the, 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 the owner wasn't even with her. So like... So where she when she was a puppy, you know, it's like everyone encourages you to jump up and gives you cuddles. Yeah, and, and, you know, unless like, you unless you preempt it because Dodge was never allowed to jump up at anybody ever 
from right. dot because we knew he was going to be bloody big. Right. So so what they were doing with this dog is she would be like 20 meters away, jumping up at someone and she'd zap her. Right. So she wasn't even told how to do it properly. And again, it's not her fault. She was told she was told to do this. So yeah, of course. She's just an everyday person that's told it doesn't hurt the dog. Da, 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 da. And she said, I used it as high as it would go. And all she did was get more angry. <laughs> right. So what what happened with her is when I I didn't know that before I went to go meet her. Right. So when I went there, she you know, I always start off outside, I throw food, I throw food. And then she was like, I, w- I don't ever ask anything from the dogs. And, but she was offering me sits, right? She was coming right up next to me, offering me sits. And I, and I always throw food away so they can move away. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then all of a sudden I just see these teeth come at me and she just goes, she just goes for me. Right. And so I was like, what's going on here? You know, why has she, she just she went from I really want to see you to panic I really want to see you to panic because I'm unpredictable she didn't know where that pain come from all she knew was when she went up to people she got hurt and when she played with dogs she got hurt so to her it was like I don't know what's going on and when this is going to happen so it made it really difficult because when when I handle the dogs it's like you know when you learn to drive a car you got to do this you got to do that you got to do this you got to do that where I'm doing it all the time it becomes automatic to me so yeah, of course. you know so I can get the dogs to where they need to be a little bit quicker right but because I had to like pretty much give her directions from like over there you know it, it took time and then I couldn't even touch her for for, for a few sessions mm-hmm. and then I then I could see that she, she was so panicked that we ended up bringing um chicken nuggets in a snuffle mat for her anytime she was outside she was just panicked so um I I ended up being able to be near her but unfortunately the, the sessions didn't prog- like we she's quite young and you know it just didn't upkeep I'm still in contact and she understands what she's got to do she knows no more like those kind of things and she, we're doing food and click training and all of that mm-hmm. but you know it's just it's just sad because she was a really outgoing playful dog and now from this so that's it's it's hard because when people go oh you know if you know how to use it properly and it's like if you're if a dog stops doing something to avoid what you're doing like what you're doing to them you're not helping them but also you've potentially turned that dog into a ticking time bomb oh absolutely absolutely they can like them like you know what's like with some dogs that redirect their frustration or fear or whatever onto either the dog next to them or the lead or to you one day this dog this big powerful beautiful dog is going to turn it on to someone and it's not going to be good you know and it's just it's sad and it's dangerous and there's only so much you can do you know Mm -hmm. um you know, I've, I've, I've you know, sent a training plan and when we're talking in training, I know that it's not been read and <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so it's just like when I like when I see dogs out and it is a lot here, unfortunately, you do see a lot of dogs on prong collars and you see a lot of dogs on. I don't even know why they call them e collars. They're electric collars. That's what they do. They electrocute mm-hmm. you. Um, if your dog can't cope in that environment and you don't have the skills to help them ethically, then they shouldn't be there, and you, sh- and you shouldn't have a dog, <laughs> really. No, but and at- and and I I totally I I concur one hundred percent. You know, yeah. and it would be I think I see it from the side of I think if Dodge hadn't ended up with me, he could have ended yeah. up with someone that was going to use those methods on him. Yeah, because the, the shepherd was quite harsh-handed as well. 
like would those people have kind of you know gone to the vet and gone i want x-rays done because my vet was like why he's like he's fit he's healthy he's cool and it's like yeah. well actually no a lot of the stuff comes from the hip dysplasia but also yeah. the so there's constantly stuff i'm fighting but i could have just have put a prong collar on him and gone right yeah. he's gonna walk next to me and every Easy time done. he pops at something i'm gonna tell him off and it just yeah it takes so many different elements to kind of especially when a dog is genetically predispositioned to be suspicious of new things like a lot of the guarding and herding dogs are because especially when we're talking like your mastiff types um your guard like your livestock guarding breeds and stuff like that and then all of a sudden we want them to be friendly with everything and it's like yeah. whoa, 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 no. hang on a minute no. yeah like, absolutely that's not cool. If you wanted a dog that was going to be super friendly with um everyone, then look at the breeds that are good around people and are happy to be around people. Don't pick something yeah. that will selectively have five people in their life that are cool and everyone else needs to leave them yeah. alone. Yeah. And then and then that that's been you know programmed to um uh, alert if it's a sh more of a, sh a shepherd herding breed, alert bark that there's a change in the environment. Yeah piss off or you know her uh, collies um not not coping with changes in the environment you know so but at they the same like time I just want, yeah and but at the same time like all the, when when I talk about all these like aversive methods and whatnot there's there's never any like I, I, there's never any kind of judgment that comes from me from people that have tried them because even with trainers there's such a divide at the moment of oh. like you yes. do that and we do that and it's like if anyone is in that like space where they don't know how to get over to the ethical side because there's such a you know um a, a divide yeah I I, I want to make it clear that like if you don't know where to go or if you do want to understand what why you know the ethical type training does work I want to be a safe space for that because mm -hmm. you know if we're going to be the change for for dogs we got to be we got we can't do it with our arms crossed and go nope 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 you know so it's like I wouldn't even call myself a force-free trainer because if I asked every single dog in the situation that I put them in would you choose to be here I could guarantee they would all say no mm -hmm. because at the end of the day I'm 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 making them for face their fears right I'm just mm -hmm. trying to do it in the most ethical way possible we do you know um like with um, Leslie McDevitt with her um, with her lat, the 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 latte, you know, with the mm -hmm. en enrichment. So yeah, the look at that stuff and all yeah. Of those so like I'll yeah. have like enrichment stations. So wherever the dog prefers to go, I'm like right. They're really like eating kangaroo poo, <laughs> or they really like you know, um, sniffing my cat's litter. Whatever it is, we'll hang there and we'll figure out what they enjoy the most. Yeah. Some of the dogs I did um respond really well with like tactile so if I can see them getting a bit stressed I'll give them a massage and I you know and that helps them because I'm putting them in a position where they don't feel comfortable and I want to show them look you can do this right yeah. it's like it's like good stress sometimes good stress can push you over the the threshold of like wow okay I did it and this is amazing so it's like I'm just trying, to, that's why I say like, I'm just trying to build their confidence in the most nicest way I can do. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you can never really be force free. You could just make it as nice as possible. So, you know. I just want to say, thank you for being really oh, okay. bloody honest, because this is, 
it's one of those things that I don't like labels anyway. I don't yeah. think labels help the industry. Um, no. And it is causing massive divide divides. And yeah, you know, someone that's just grabbing a tool and shoving it on the dog without thinking about the wider picture, like do better. Just yeah. do and, better. And, and that's the thing. They probably want to be a trainer. They've picked up the wrong book. Right. But also, like, if you are a trainer that is into positive reinforcement, it's more ethical, science-based, keep doing what you're doing and showing people how this works because yeah. getting sucked into online arguments yeah. isn't helping anybody. Yeah. And especially when we're now getting arguments with... It has become like there's a, there's a camp divide anyway and when there is fighting within the own camp, like that's yeah. just crazy. Like it's yeah. all just, it's all getting really stressful. And I've noticed, um, like over the break and stuff, you know, there there've been a few things that have happened within the dog world. And if you are within the dog training world and are on Facebook, social media, chances are you will have seen the drama that's been happening yeah. recently. Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year and. It, it was tough to watch and I kind of, I didn't get involved in it. I, I put a couple of little comments down of things that I saw. One of the things that's baffling me at the moment that I'm seeing a lot on social media is dogs and, yeah, it's particularly shepherds, um, generally Belgians, generally Malinois, um, Germans as well, but it seems to be dogs that are going to be doing more protection sport type training wearing three or four collars oh yeah why do we need four collars on a dog i i don't understand like to me i have a big thick wide collar on dodge because if i do need to use his collar to restrain him or if he happens to pull i want the pressure to be as equal across his neck as yeah, possible for his trachea, yeah but now yeah. I'm seeing people using extra wide collars to hide a shock collar. Yes. That's and not cool. If, yeah, if you if are going to it, use that tool yeah. on the dog, Own it. don't hide it. No, yeah. If you're hiding it, you know there's something wrong with it. And, the, you know, the thing is as well, like, this whole divide that is going on, the the people that and the dogs that we want to help, they don't even know about it. Mm. They don't even know this divide's going on. Yep. You know? So I always say to people, at the end of the day, if you're doing something and it doesn't feel right, yes. it probably isn't. And yes. that comes that comes down to groomers, it comes down to vet care, any anything, right? If it doesn't feel right, say something. Yeah. Because you know it that can make a world of difference for you for your for your dog, you know. Um, and I the thing like with the with the with the um uh, the all the different shepherds. People think they look beautiful. And even a husky, I'm like the huskies as well. Um, these dogs that are stubborn, I'm doing air quotes right now because they don't know how to mo motivate them properly or they, they, they mm -hmm. don't understand that the environment's too hard. But the um, thing is, snow dogs are bred to be independent thinkers because that's yeah. what you need of them when they're attached to a team and you're going over terrain that you can't see. You need that dog to go, whoa, hang on, this doesn't I'll feel like choice. we need to divert. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then they want to go for a walk along the coast, like on a busy street, on a busy path where there's bikes and cavaliers and poodles and kids. And you want to, you you know, you, you got the wrong dog. 
<laughs> and this is the other thing as well, isn't it? Because a lot of the time, unfortunately, people don't do their breed research. Sometimes, you know, they get dogs secondhand. Um, yes. I, I have secondhand dogs. Um, and it's really tough because you can get a dog in a situation you can go right okay well let's look at what the dog needs okay so we'll put these elements in place that will give them the outlets that are going to allow them to live you know out of choice would dodge live on the edge of london where there is very very limited open space no but that's the situation we're in and hoopers helps because obviously we have our training and we go to competitions and stuff but you know if we lived on a farm or a ranch somewhere with i don't know even 20 acres and didn't have to see anyone else in the world and his girlfriends would come and visit every now and again his he'd girlfriend. probably be much happier with that situation oh my God, i'd be happy with that that is my goal i want to i want to move down you know what i mean middle of nowhere yeah. and these girls come over every now and again like, i know <laughs> i always joke that i'm a um a border collie because I'm like neurotic and you know I need order and I want everyone to listen to me and then and I'm I have my garden. little circle of trusted people I have my trusted yeah. circle yeah, yeah 100%. When, when when we when we like expand the dog social circles when we start to get to about four dogs I'm like wow now they've got more friends than I do <laughs> that's a lot I mean yeah to be fair like when I think about it you know Dodger's got what six Six, seven girls that he's off lead, no muzzle, runs around with, has a lovely time. Yeah. That's cool. That's fine. Now, if we could just be neutral with all other dogs we saw and just ignore them, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So what do what what um do you so when you when you take him for a walk, what do you do for like the how do you manage and cope and and help him? (laughs) (laughs) No, in all seriousness, um, I walk him in the traditional sense of going for a walk, like maybe around the roads or like, I mean, road walks once a week, maybe Um, in the actual world in parks, unless I have a responsible adult with us. I don't. Yeah. Because I just don't, I need another set of eyes and I need a blocker there just in case. Yeah, Um, I need another cat on hand. I, I do. I need a second meerkat on hand. Um, actually, a couple of months ago, um, my my best best friend was over at mine, and she was like, "Oh, should we take Dodge for a little road walk?" And it was so cool because we walk along, we chat, and she went, "Oh, there's a family at two o'clock just on the other side of the road," and I hadn't even seen them yet. And she went, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so!" And it just relaxed me having someone mm. else because she's got um she's actually got dutch shepherds that meerkat walks so she's used to she looking and we were laughing that you go out with the other half who were just oblivious yeah and i know like, you know you're meant to be here to help with this not yeah okay, cool. yeah yeah i think that i think i think my husband's only walked sophie it took her out once when he got locked out so he was stuck with her outside and then um and then another time he took her out and she came home all hyped up and soaking wet and I'm like where have you been and he's like oh I let her go in the lake and I'm like oh my god it was like summer snake 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 they call them so, danger noodles <laughs> I honestly when I came out to visit my brother and there was like little snakes and was on the path I was like oh is this the snake trail and he went no it's warning you there's actual snakes I was like I'm sorry what yeah yeah I know I know proper this is the thing right so our so in in England the worst you, you can, get in sorry darling is an adder 
Like, well, in, so in England, you can hop and skip and la la through the woods, right? In Australia, you're going to get killed by everything. There's no hopping, skipping, and lalaing here. You're like, okay, there's a snake there. There's a, there's loads of bloody spiders, you know. Um, and actually, if you can see the spider, they're a huntsman, so they're cool. So the bigger it's the, the ones better. You can't it's, see. It's, the, it's the little, it's the little ones, the little ones with the, you know, the ribbacks and all that, you know. But it's just like all of it scares me. And even um, like so, you get little bobtails, these lovely little lizards, and when you initially first look at them they you know you think snake because they're scaly and whatever mm-hmm. so you're always like oh, oh, oh. and I've got a family of kangaroos down the road and they're really really lovely and they, they they're really they're brilliant for like the herding breeds because they don't move they're like whatever um but one time I was walking down with Sophie and there was one on the path and it was like six foot and I was like I'm gonna go around you you can right yeah <laughs> yeah and then, oh, and so I was like, and this is the same path. I was like out with the pram one day, and then um, there was I, I'm not great at being able to tell what one's a um, a tiger snake or what one's a brown snake, but either way, they can kill you. So it doesn't matter because they can both kill <laughs> both you. are going to upset your mortal life. <laughs> so I was like, okay, right, okay. So where do I go? So I pushed the pram into a ditch and like around the snake, and then this man came down on his bike, and I'm like. Because if I thought if he rides over it, it's going to like bite it. Because the thing is, right, they're not aggressive in the sense that like they're going to come for you. No, but, but if you like run over its tail, it's going to bite you. It's going to it's going to get annoyed. Um, my 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 younger so my older son, I've taught him freeze. So like if we're like running or playing or he's riding his bike, instead of me being like a nagging mum that goes slow down, stop, I'll just say freeze, and he knows to like freeze, right? Because there's something. But I hadn't taught my two year old that yet. We went out for a hike with Sophie and there was this, the oh, it was so big. It was like probably like two meters. Like it was really wide. And I was like, Tommy, stop. And I was like, stop. And it, it, he ran right to it and then stopped and looked at it. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, so they appear as quick as they disappear. You're like, okay. But... So if you see a danger noodle, please do not go near the danger noodle. <laughs> No, and like it's better to have like a reap. So there's some there's some courses here in Australia where they teach um the, so they they transfer the snake or the smell of a snake is a is a cue for recall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know you it, which is brilliant, but at the same time that is something you have to really really reinforce because if you got like like Sophie that's interesting. Sorry, someone dared come near our front door and call Arnie. Dare they? Sorry, How guys. Anyway, yeah, um, so, yeah, so recalling yeah. off, okay, so it's the scent of the snake is paired with come back to me, which yeah. is genius. Yeah, but there's, because there's, so the thing is, right, there's lots, there's still the other side of it, right, where they use the collars <laughs> and they show the snake. Creature, and they the can we, I know we don't like the shop collars, mate, but you don't need to give your opinion. <laughs> I, I I agree with with what this, what he's saying. So, yeah, Dodge you know. is like no, do I not shut the dog. The thing is, and I'm gonna full honesty now. That is possibly one of the only situations I would say that I can understand where an e collar may have a place. And notice I say may have a place yeah. because I would prefer that my dog got shocked and had a really negative experience with that smell and never ever went near a danger noodle in its life 
But I also totally understand that there is a better, more ethical way of doing it. And therefore, you don't need to shock your dog. So this is the thing, right? Depending on how the dog responds to the shock collar. So if every time I saw something and then I got hurt, I would start to think, right, I'm going to get that thing before it gets me. Right. So it could go the other way where it like sees the snake and then goes, I'm going to go kill it because every time I see one, it hurts me. Right. Yes. yes so exactly you can get that, that side of it. Yeah. You know, or, or it could even be, okay, the man that is setting up or, or woman, whoever it is setting up the situation where there's a snake and I get shocked. Now I'm people reactive. I'm going to redirect onto my owner. This is the thing. Snakes. We cannot say to the dog, right, the thing that hurt you was that thing. The dog's just going to go, there was stuff and it hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just and don't it know how be. it's going to come I mean, out. Can you imagine if your dog suddenly became reactive to gum trees? Like, you'd be screwed. Yeah. Well, like, my Sophie, we were trying to, so, like, we were trying to figure out, because where we do the training, um, the grass there is a bit like spiky and dry mm -hmm. and I was like all right Sophie doesn't like spiky dry grass but also we were both bitten by a bull ant over there. I don't know if you know what a bull ant is no but it sounds massive and horrendous and I'm sure it's horrible it's, nice. it's like you know everyone's scared of bees it's like having a million ants that can do as mm. more damage and more pain than a bee can so <laughs> So, no, ma'am. Uh, no, they're no. like giant ants, basically that bite you. So, um, seriously, why does everything in Australia want to kill you? Everything is bigger and just like hyped up and supercharged and ready to like mess up your day. So, <laughs> so oh, I remember we had sharks at the dog beach the other day, and I was just like, all right, okay, lakes from now on. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so. At the, where I where I do a lot of the the initial like interactions um for the dogs at the church where we've got the field mm -hmm. um they call them ovals here in Australia by the way so if everyone says an oval you're gonna be like what is that that's a field um so a bull ant bit Sophie there one time and she was like I'm never going there again this is dangerous it hurts da 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 I get I it. mean I'm I'm agreeing I get with it. her this sounds yeah stupid. and she's, yeah. she's got a very low pain threshold very very low right Aww, so no she her. does if she I know when she's got a tummy ache because she sits on me all night and wants a cuddle or like you know if she if she sprains her leg she like drags it behind her are you sure and she's like... got bull breed in her I'm just saying <laughs> must be the yeah, herding must... side there the must be a wussy breed, breed in there somewhere. Yeah, I know. Must be the beagle in her. <laughs> Fiona, I'm sorry. Sorry, Fiona. Sorry, Fiona. Um. Anyway, so a lot of the times where I'm not working, where I'm not working her, um, the hold on. Um. Okay, so where Linda, right? So where Linda handles Sophie. Um, like she gets to know her a lot, right? So when we're at work, I very rarely get to handle her because I'm I'm working the, the 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 worried dog. So Linda sometimes has to pick her up and carry her on. As soon as she's on it, she's fine. She'll run around, she'll play, whatever. And then another another day, um, um, Nicole Nicole came and helped us, and she goes, "I figured out what's going on with Sophie." And I was like, "What is it?" She goes, "She can smell the bull ants." And I was like, "Right, okay, what did she do?" And she said. Well, we went to walk in the grass and she, she did a little nose and I looked down there was a um a bull ant hill and she goes to me have you ever smelt bull ants before and I was like can't say I have <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna so, suggest putting your face near them is not the plan 
to her when she makes me laugh. So she's like, have you ever s- smelled a squished bull ant? And I was like, still haven't, but she has. And they have. They apparently they have a distinguished smell. And a, a couple of other people know this as well. So I don't know if I'm the only one that doesn't know what a squished bull ant smells like. I mean, I feel but- now if you ever see one or if you tread on one accidentally, you should smell it just for yeah. science purposes. I know. I just like... I don't, like because I don't even let my kids like I'm like don't hurt that don't hurt that we need to we need to help the snail you know so I this is correct uh, all lives matter yes correct but bullant lives don't matter they really don't <laughs> you sound like Sorry. me with wasps I'm like no <laughs> I don't like them I don't even know why they're here like what is their purpose apart from just like stealing our food the other day they so we were like when we throw like our like find it uh like scatters whatever yeah. we've got like We've got a little family of magpies that come and hang out of us because we feed them so they don't swoop us. I don't, do you get swooping magpies? I can't remember. It no, Aussie that. magpies are a lot more aggressive than UK magpies. Again, well, they can okay. kill you. They take eyes. They take eyes. They really do. They take out, uh, eyes out of things. So they swoop you. <laughs> can't wait for you to come here. So they'll swoop you <laughs> and whatever, right? So we throw, we throw the, this the food at them. brought to you by the Australian Tourism Board. I know. I'm probably going to get fined now for feeding magpies. I had a seagull the other day that wouldn't leave us. I had to ring the wildlife going, this, this seagull will not leave me alone. And they were like, don't feed it. It's illegal. And like, because I gave it a drink of water and I was like, oh, I haven't fed it. But um, you didn't, you just hydrated it. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like sitting on our lap and I was like, it's, it's confused. Anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> Back to the magpies. Back to the magpies. So we throw the food at the magpies so they don't swoop us, right? And um, they're so funny, though, because the baby ones that are the size of the mum, the mother ones will still, like, yell out, feed me, and she picks it up and puts it in their mouth, and I'm like, stop mothering him. So, anyway, so they all hang out of us, and the herding breeds are like, oh, my God, there's a bird. But it's good because they don't fly away, so we can, like, like work in with the magpies. So now I've gone off on a tangent on... No, 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 but you're using environmental factors <laughs> in your training, which I love, because, again, for the herding breeds, they can really fixate on animals that are not them because the animals need to be controlled, whether it's yeah. magpies or sheep yeah. or... Hopefully not bull ants, because we're going to circle back to that story in a second. But this is what Okay, so back to Sophie and smelling the bull ants. So, yeah, so what we learned was if she can smell a bull ant, then we need to lift her over that patch. And she likes long um, plush grass, because then she likes to pull it out and throw it everywhere. I mean, I'm I'm team Sophie. I feel like she has a good strategy of life. Yeah, so when so the other day we, we were in the car park, so we used the car park and we used the field, and I, we were just this dog didn't cope with movement, so we we're sitting on the on the um, on the floor and we were just like you know hanging out, food, massaging the dog, and then I got bitten by a bull ant on my bum, and it really hurt, and I and I had to jump up and make sure the dog didn't get scared, but I was like, ah! so yeah, they're horrible, they're really horrible, and they can pick things up and move them and like yeah. I mean, that, no. <laughs> I'm no. That's my input. Just no. Oh, no. Everything is I just like bigger. Of all the things in Australia that can like yeah. mess your mess you up. Um, yeah. This this is a new one, so it's something else for me to be prepared. Oh, with and and um, they're called March flies. They're they're normal flies. You know, like 
um blue bottle flies kind of thing but they bite you <laughs> what so like my like my horse used to have to have his legs wrapped his face covered because the the flies would bite him till he'd bleed so wow yeah i mean yay so <laughs> and now, every, now everyone's signing up to come over to australia because it sounds so fun just saying oh my god um the shark but anyway let's get let's move on no but just quickly hang on i want to circle back to the dog beach with the shark do we know oh what god. sort of sharks there were um a one that could eat you so there was um <laughs> they, they had, this guy was flying a drone right so he was on the beach flying a drone and filming the beautiful water no, all these people were in the water, not knowing that this massive shark was like swimming near them. I mean, to and, be like, fair, generally sharks are just hanging out and they're not that bothered. Well, they're, by they're, you. they're in there. They're in the water, right? You know, so they're obviously going to be there. Yeah. Like, it, I, I, it, wherever you go, you're taking a risk. If I went to like, I don't know, like Africa, if I went through like like tall grass, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a, a lion. So I'd rather go on a on a tour where I. Was, I mean, like, the thing <laughs> is, with Australia again, like where we go on holiday in, um. Florida, like there will be alligators. Yeah, there are alligators in the Everglades. Where we are, we 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 don't get many gators there, so we're okay unless you're on a golf course because there's always alligators on the golf course. Yeah. Um, the rule is, if your ball goes near the alligator, you're allowed to take a drop shot. You don't have to go and catch your ball. Wow, because <laughs> that's, that's like health trade. and safety. But yeah. generally, shark wise, it will be like nurse sharks, um, black tips, which are a bit grumpy, lemon sharks, which generally aren't bothered by you and then you will get the odd bull shark and bull sharks like yeah are not a fan of people australia yeah. you get bull sharks and you get tiger sharks and you yeah. get great whites all of which yeah. actually quite like messing with people and hammerheads as well so like i think like the bigger sharks this is the thing like because no hating on shark i went to a shark protest holding up signs saying like leave sharks, sharks are cool like, i love sharks but they need yeah. to be respected yeah absolutely because, i can like, you know you and teeth. i don't need to go there like i don't need to go in the ocean so i like going where like i like they have like these eco um these eco nets where like they shouldn't be able to get in but one time a shark got in and couldn't get out <laughs> i mean you know because so, that's a problem yeah but again, it's my age. As I get older, I get scared of things. So I used to do like bodyboarding and like, you know, going in the ocean and swimming. And now I'm like, if it's not over 40 degrees, I'm not getting wet. And there could be a shark there. There's, um, it could be a snake over there. So, you know, sometimes I can even carry Sophie if I'm like, oh, I don't know. But the thing is though, there as well, if you're near a lake, there might be crocs. No, not here. So up north. Um, oh, so, so up where, like in the Northern Territory. Yeah, like Northern Territory. Yeah, so like, down down where we are in Perth, like you wouldn't get crocodiles here, but okay. the snakes the snakes live near waters. So like the snakes are always are all near. So we can tick water. off crocodiles on the list of yeah, things that don't kill you when you're in Perth. Cool. That's okay then. Cool. Yeah, that's a good yeah, you know. One less risk. Like yeah, one, that. one less one less fight for survival. But um yeah, the crocodiles are generally up north, but to be honest, I don't know too much about them. I just know that they're not alligators. So, you know, because the alligators are smaller and like quicker. Aren't they? they have shorter noses. Yeah. That's the main difference. Like a crocodile. Mushier. Um, so one of the other things we were gonna talk about when we when I approached you and was like, yeah, come on the podcast, let's do a thing. Um, was actually traveling with dogs. And I don't mean like in a car, I mean like 
flying because the thing is in Australia to get to Australia is long okay the quickest flight yeah. from the UK I want to say it's like 17 18 hours because I've done it and it's really boring but you get free Tim Tams so I'm happy um <laughs> because anywhere that gives free Tim Tams makes my life happy but yeah. getting from even Perth to say Brisbane is yeah a plane ride Yes. Or a really, 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 really long drive. Yes. Easier to get on a plane, generally. Have you, I know one of the things that you said is that you've worked with quite a few clients that I'm assuming have either emigrated into Australia or have moved from one side of Australia to the other and the easiest way to do it was by plane and therefore they have flown their dogs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I see a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs who haven't had flight prep, whether they've come from, um, we sadly do still have like kind of like puppy meal situations going on. Um, so they get flown over and so they've got the, the trauma. Oh, wow. of, sorry. From where? Where do they come in from? Like the eastern states, like lots of like breeding, like overbreeding kind of situations. Okay, and then they fly them cross country. Yeah, okay. and then they fly them over. So not only do these dogs kind of have like, you know, um, not the great start to life. Um, they the, for the mother's stress, we've got like low resilience or you know stressed puppies. If they've got had no flight prep, they're just kind of traumatized, right? So there's 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 at the end of the day, again, it's the best that we can do for the dogs that when we're putting them in a situation that isn't mm -hmm. something they would choose to be in, right? So um um there's a actually really lovely trainer in um Perth that's moving back to Ireland and she's been doing flight prep with her with her two little oh god, what are they? I have to remember what they are now. That I think they're like little spaniels, but I can't remember. I have to check it out. So you know, so she's been taking her dogs to the airport. She's got the crates that they're going to be going, going, going um, on the trip with, mm -hmm. um, exposing them to the sounds of everything that's going to happen. But not only mm -hmm. that, it's like when they're on the runway, when the forklift may pick them up or a person might pick them up or a man mm -hmm. might approach them, all that kind of stuff. But people don't go, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. So th there's a lot there's a lot involved with it especially if you do have an adult dog and you know their weaknesses and you know their strengths and they know what you know what's going to worry them the most so you know if you've got a dog that's kind of like stranger danger somebody approaching their crates can be really really difficult mm -hmm. so if we make this crate like the safest place to ever to start off with at home we kind of take that away when we then put it somewhere where you know we're removing that yeah so it's getting them used to being in their crate in like the weirdest kind of situations yeah um, and and building on and building on that so it you know obviously it's going to take time but the more you do they're still not going to enjoy it but the better it's going to be and then it might even be that um you know, depending on who you're flying with as well, like, do they take them out and give them toilet breaks or are they just crated the whole time? You know, so if they, like, how are they going to feel if they have to go to the toilet in in, in their crate? So mm -hmm. um, I don't know too much about that side of it. I'd have to look into it. But getting them comfortable with somebody, like, bringing them out and putting them back in again, you know, you might even want to get pharmaceutical support. So at each stop off, they, they have something that's going to help the trip as well so um and i to be honest i don't even know what if they're even allowed what they're allowed in the crate food wise or occupier wise as well i think generally the food and water is kind of like 
nearer the outside the crate and like I know with um because Dodge has a big travel travel crate that yeah. I've got him and it came with like a little basically a little trough bucket that clips on the yeah. inside that can be filled with a funnel from the outside right. so there is no need for that door to Open be opened it. ever so ever. what happens when he wants to go to the toilet well this is the thing because you know thinking if we did go on a very big adventure and he needed to go on a plane I know that he can he can hold his bladder for up to 10 hours overnight. Yeah, yeah. For me and for him, I would think that him just being left the feck alone in the crate would be a lot less stressful than him having yeah. random people yeah. trying to handle him. Also for him, with random people handling him, he would need to be crated with a muzzle on. yeah. And I'd be wonder... much more happier him being unmuzzled and just left alone yeah. than people trying to potentially handle him and him getting more stressed by it. Are you going on the same flight? Are you hoping to go on the same flight as him? If we were going to do it, like, you know, this is a completely, like, magical mystery. Yeah. This could happen in five years' time. In five years' time, he might not even be on this mortal coil and it might not even be a problem. Yeah, you know? yeah. But this is kind of thinking, if I was in that situation, because um, a friend of mine moved to South Africa, um, I think the dogs were crated for eight hours total. And they yeah. got off the other side and were like, oh, we were in a crate for eight hours, cool. Because they were used to being in a van in the crates. And actually, she changed yeah. her van crates to the flight crates so that her dogs got used to being in those crates, yeah. being in the van and traveling anyway. I know that in a van, he's much happier and the van has always been his safe place. Yeah. The van has always been the place he wants to be in. So transferring him over to a travel crate in my mind is actually relatively easy. It's yeah. going to be the strangers and people wanting to handle him. So I'm wondering if you if you end up being on the same flight as him, if there's a way that like you could organise it where like you are able to see him at the stop at whatever the stopover is so you can let him go to the toilet kind of thing you know I mean to be uh, honest ideal world I would charge the bloody plane and I know right <laughs> you know what I mean but actually when you look at the cost of it the cost of chartering a jet and actually what it costs for you and the dogs and the family and everyone else yeah. to get on the plane you kind of go it's not cheap it might be easier to just get the jet than it is to like uh, yeah I know just drive there <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Depending on where you were in the world. I um, mean, in terms of kind of prepping, though, like, do people literally just put dogs in crates and expect them to get on a plane and be yeah, fine? Of course they, they don't, like, with pet people, they like, don't, they don't think sorry, of what? it. They don't think of it. They don't think of it. They just go, oh, he was fine. And like, how do you know? It's was, it was fine when he got out. But what was mm -hmm. he like on the way over, you know? So, and that's the thing. It's like when you finally meet people, um, I, I mean, like, I'm sure there's lots of dogs that have been okay with it, but I meet the ones that aren't and they really aren't. And because they've been puppies when, they, when they're coming over, it's such a critical, like, sensitive time in their life that then, like, we're doing things to help them recover for, from that for, like, the next year, you yeah. know? And then, so this is where, like, you know, it would be amazing. I know, I know there's some really brilliant breeders out there but if they had a if they had a bit more understanding on behavior there's so much that they could do to help these little dogs or you know before they before they are flown over um 
so I don't know it's just I think for me like if in in reality to me if it was drivable I would just go on an drive it. Yeah. Road trip yeah. and do a road yeah. trip obviously getting from the UK to a country like that's not Europe yeah. basically is not achievable like, when you, you come know, to you Australia and like what the way that they do it with Australia as well is even more annoying because you have to fly on the other side of Australia to then come back to Perth. So you actually fly further away and then come back over. So it adds time to it. Instead of just going, oh, there's Perth, let's go down here. They go to the other side and then come back. So I don't even know if it might even be that like, um, oh, maybe they go straight to Perth now. I don't know. I was going to say, I've definitely thrown from London straight to Perth. And right, okay, yeah, maybe it's different now. Is it, I've, not, I've not come to England for like, I've, so since I've lived here, I've been there twice back. I've come back twice. So, <laughs> And then one of, my, one of the flights over here, my dad like tried to get a deal. So we had like 17 stops in like Abu Dhabi. Oh my God, no. I will like, always on, pay the off, premium. I know. One flight. I was, yeah, I know. So I felt like a poor little, like, flown over puppy, traumatized by this flight to get here. But, um, I mean, it might even be where, whatever the quarantine standards are or what the stipulations are. If you do like an eight hour flight that's a little bit closer to, to Perth, have a break if he's allowed to be out for a day or a few hours and then, like, and then finish the, the flight mm-hmm. to, to kind of break it up a little bit. But then I don't know, would that be worse? Because there's, you know, it's, it's too, too, um, um, you know, um, experiences. It's, that it's is- really hard with like transporting dogs and flying them and stuff, isn't it? Because even with all the best will in the world and all the prep in the world, yeah, there is still stuff that you can't prep for. Like yeah. you cannot replicate what it's going to be like being in the hold. You can't replicate what it's going to be like with the engine noises and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I know. Because... It'd be so much louder down there as well. And the wheels coming up and I'm, I'm not a good flyer. I think that every noise that happens, I'm like, thank you for the life I've had. But you know, but my, my husband's FIFO, which I don't know if you guys know what that means, but he fly fly and fly out. Um, So he works up in the, like the desert basically. Okay. And then, so he's a week away and he's a week back. So he's on a, he's on a, a, a plane like every week. Right. Yeah. And I don't even think about him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. But when I'm on a plane, oh my God. So I'm like, what's that? What's that? What's that? And he's just like, don't worry about it. It's this and it's that. And it's this yeah. and it's that. Whereas like, we can't, you know, some dogs are scared of the kettle, you know? Like, like poor little thing. The things that we do to our dogs are like. I just wish I could just be like, everything's okay. This world is weird, you know. Yeah. So, and it's it's hard as well, isn't it? Because I think this is where we have to be really mindful, especially when when we're talking about ethical training and stuff. Um, dogs need to learn how to cope with a level of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Because the world is stressful and and unpredictable things happen. You know, like today, um, I met up with a training friend. We were doing a little setup with her dog and with um, Dodge, just kind of doing some parallel walking and some mooching around. And both the dogs were like, why are we walking round and round the same football pitch? What are we doing now, people? This is stupid. Um, And they were kind of air sending each other and sort of watching a bit. But when we got there, she was like, oh, do you know, do you want to go in first or do you want to come in second? I was like, he's generally better if he's walking somewhere and goes, oh, there's a dog over there rather than we're somewhere. And he goes, whoa, a dog's just come in. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, just yeah. easier for him. You know, like me, if I'm walking somewhere and I'm like, oh, there's people over there, cool. Whereas if someone runs up behind you, oh my God, there's yeah. someone behind me. Absolutely. I don't know whether like the universe collided or what it was, but she went in with her dog first and I was just about to get him out of the van and I suddenly heard someone screaming a dog's name and I was like, uh-oh, let's just shut the van door and see what's yeah. happening. And this massive dog came running over. No recall. Yeah. And my friend's dog did really, really well. He did have a little bit of a woof at him when he got up in his face, but, you know, that was perfectly acceptable because he was on the... And the owner was just getting more and more angry with the dog, like, get back yeah. here. But, and yeah. we were like, whoa, like, I honestly, it took every grain of me not to shout happy voice. Yeah, like, I know, I know. Can you just try? And the thing is, I know what it was, it's because she was embarrassed and yes. she was right. But I said to my friend, like, if that had been the other way around, Dodge would have had his muzzle on. Would she have made more effort to come over to collect her dog from the yeah. large muzzled shepherd that would have been losing his shit at that point? Or would she have stayed further back because she was nervous of the large shepherd that was losing his shit yeah. at that point? But yeah. also, I wonder whether it was the perception of, oh, it's a sight hound, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. And like, and, and that's the thing as well. It's like, because um, I, I have a lot of lovely Labradors that are, quite reactive and and you know retreat your golden retrievers and things like that and people just go oh you know I'm gonna go over and say, yeah and it's like no actually like um and and as well like even with the dogs that are muzzled that we um Nicole who I mentioned earlier she so she comes and helps me sometimes and she's got um her little oh my gosh she's so cute she's the cutest little dinkiest blue healer like she's the size of a fox she's so just so sweet just quickly, because we don't really get blue healers in. Oh, okay. Way. Um, obviously, I know what blue healer is. So, if anyone has seen the cartoon, if you have kids and have seen the cartoon Bluey, oh, yeah. Bluey's blue healer. Oh my god, um, I like got emotional in one of those episodes. My friend was like, "Watch Bluey, watch Bluey," and I'm like, "I can't. I got ADHD. I can't watch anything for longer than thirty seconds." And then this one, I got like sucked in on this episode, and I was just like. No one else was watching it. I don't know where they'd gone. And I was like, oh, so she can't. This is the point where you're sitting watching a children's program without the kids. I love this. Yeah, and they're like, like, they're gone. They're not even there. And I got really emotional. Anyway, so blue, blue healers, healers are, are like a little herdy breed. They're quite compact. They're, they come, they're, they're a little bit chunkier, aren't they? They've got a bit more well, substance to them. They come in all different sizes, really. Okay. So they, they can be more like athletic and like leaner and taller and then they can be more you know compact definitely um you get red healers blue healers and like you stop and tell like cattle dogs where they got that the little towel probably said that wrong someone's going to be annoyed at me but you know but, so this is a little blue healer and she's really tiny um she's got a few health issues so and and so she's got mega esophagus so and um, for those who don't know what that is like she's not got the the muscles in her throat to swallow so it's just like quite painful and she has to like be fed sitting up and like small soft food and then she's also got pika where she eats non-food items she's like oh that looks like a delicious rock for my uh, mega esophagus so she wears a muzzle because she shouldn't be eating things right for health and, and safety reasons in fact to be fair yeah. all dogs that wear muzzles like, is for health and safety she's like this little she's lit this little dynamite right and she like flies out the car to come see her and because she's 
she wants because she's so friendly she like headbutts you with her muzzle <laughs> and if anyone else was to see that they'd be like oh my god like you're get about to get attacked and like Sophie wherever she is um you know um Atlas is her name she's so sweet so she flew out the car to say hi to Sophie and like basically like punched her in the face of her muzzle and Sophie was like what is that what is that little thing with that thing on her face <laughs> oh my god it was funny but so like she, like you know it just took her a second to realize okay you're actually a dog and you've got that on you because normally when we have sense on yeah because she couldn't see her, her body language right because the dogs that normally do wear muzzles for training um you know I, if they're a bite risk or for whatever reason yeah. when, we, when we decrease distance and we put on the muzzle Sophie's gotten to know them further away so she's like you know built up a bit of a relationship with them whatever kind of form that is but um it's funny because yesterday we had this um lovely love oh, well, I, I know that she's lovely but she's struggling this rescue I, she's some kind of like Irish wolfhound terrier lanky thing but she's really sweet her name's Porridge name's porridge oh oh my god i love her so um so she was in her muzzle and um no one can approach her but sophie i feel like sophie was like suckers she don't like you she's cool with me sophie was like on her back like rolling around with her legs open and like you know massaging her her, her tummy and her legs and and like whenever sophie moved porridge was fine with it but if i moved she was like stop so um you know so we got the the <laughs> so I was like so you're trying to be a statue and the dog can just do whatever but that's cool yeah. though so I'm assuming she's more she's more sensitive to people than dogs is that a good so, assumption? well I'm still trying to figure that out because okay. where she's um she's only was adopted um when it's probably about three months ago now okay and um her, her parents like straight onto it they're like okay you know, she was in the shutdown mode in the kennel, so she appeared, you know, um Okay. Okay, fine. I'm okay, you know, she's fine with dogs, fine with people. After five days of being in the home, she started to show these um, you know, maladaptive behaviors of, you know, she bit someone and um out of fear, she's fearful. Um, you know, she's seven years old and she's been through I think three or four homes. She started off in the RSPCA as a puppy and she's just kind of been taken on return, taken on return. And so her, her body shape is quite odd as well. And I don't know if that's related to like the early like desexing. Um but she's just really struggling, really struggling. So, you know, we're trying all different ways. And I find when I get when I have like long-term clients, like I find it like a luxury because I can manipulate and figure out what's better and what's worse and like what mm -hmm. you know why are they doing better of this and with her we're still at the beginning of that and it's almost like say, an eye test isn't it where you have like is this better or is this better is this yeah, one good or is, is that one good it and is it's like yeah. working out what their prescription is yeah yeah so um with saying that makes me always think of Simba so he's he's the 40 odd kilo German shepherd that I, I always talk about and when I started off, I've I've been working with him every week for eighteen months now. I might even be closer to two years. And when we first started out, he could not have a dog in view at all. And he was like, I was even thinking about some kind of gloves to wear to feed him because he has such a hard mouth. He mm. was a resource guarder. He was this. He was that. He was lots of emotions. I mean, he um, sounds a delight. He's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and the first trainer said, "You've got to body block him." And I was like, "Don't do that because he's going to bite you." 
Um, yeah, bo body so blocking works in an emergency and if you know the dog's not going to redirect. No, definitely don't body block him. So um, I've built, I've built such an amazing relationship with him and his people, his slaves. And um, <laughs> so, and where, what we figured out with him was that, so when so so when Sophie was walking in front, he was fine because there was very limited eye contact. Then over the time, so over this time, we're talking like a year, we've realized he's got like an undescended testicle. He now he's under a veterinary behavioral support, so he's got farm pharmaceutical support. Um and then we'll so where he's never really had like social interaction, he's just really crappy at it. He's like the dork that goes in and goes, Hey guys. <laughs> Is this no, don't do that. So um, so we got him to the point where we were like walking side by side with Sophie and he did really, really well. So we started off our session off with Sophie in front and he just like lost it. He absolutely lost it. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, we've done, we've come so far. Like, why is this happening? Why are we regressing? Anyway, what we figured out was when anybody is in his circle that he loves, leaves him, he panics, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's me, whether it's his dad or his mum, and now it's Sophie. So now she has to walk behind us or next to us. And he's like, okay, you're all there and nothing's in front. So we go for walks where like, it's like a, a um, like we can still go on bush tracks, but we go on bush tracks where it's like a path and then like dense bush to either side. So he hasn't mm -hmm. got to worry about any environmental sudden changes and dealing with this popping up or that popping up. He lunges at cyclists. He don't like men. He don't like other dogs, you know, so we've got to help him out. Yeah. And, and so, but with, with, Again, where the other dogs, you know, that we work with, when we are at the point, okay, let's add another dog, sometimes that's fine. We can just slide one more dog in. Well, Haggy, who's very important. We just don't slide him in. He's very important. So Haggy will join us. But with him, he was like, nope, 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 nope. This is, I'm not, I can't handle this. So then we're like, right, let's start from the beginning. And um, so I do, I do a mixture of like that and bat and, um, like I just I guess I just throw in whatever I think the thing is the though like with using like the methods like using the behavioral adjustment training and the look yeah. at that stuff you need to tweak it for every dog yeah. anyway and yeah. sometimes it becomes a little bit of amalgamation of both sometimes yeah. you're just adding a little bit of good old counter conditioning in as well it's always again, that, it's yeah, that it's prescription always, yeah. isn't it for that dog yeah it's working it out all kind of flows in together if you think about it but so like, I like to name the trigger so like if if a dog's scared of like like people bikes dogs whatever we name whatever one it's going to appear mm -hmm. and I love the look at that but I just find it's a lot to say so I just go dog person bike you know so it's the same concept but it's just yeah. my own little tweak on it and so we added Sophie to the the mix to try and introduce Haggy and it still wasn't working. It was too much for him. So with him, he needs to be introduced like we did at the very beginning with one dog only. And now we walk in a group. He nice. just needed to get to know him on his own. And now we go for bush hikes and Sophie's there. So the, the um so Simba's mum will walk Sophie. Linda walks Haggy and I have Simba. And he still wants everyone behind him, not because he's the boss, but because he feels like he's comfortable. But he can control the environment better. Yeah. He the front, feels... Which as a shepherd, he needs yeah. to control his environment because he's been bred to do that. Yeah. 
and he's and he and, and he feels comfortable with that so when we when we end up like so Simba doesn't come to the social walk so that it, I just think it's too much for him um and some of the dogs can't because it's too much for them so yeah. whatever we do for them is is for them but when we do the social walks because I know every single dog individually I know where they can go in the group. So we've got some dogs that do better at the front, like your collies who want to herd everybody. <laughs> and then we have like, you know, our little worried um, golden retriever. He likes to know where, you know, he doesn't got to worry about too many people in front of him um, and not much eye contact from behind. And we kind I kind of put everybody where they need to be. Some of the dogs have got to the point where they've become so confident. They're actually making friends and they're trying to play with each other a little bit. And we get like little kisses here and there and little bounces here and there. And nice. I've even had, I've, so I've ended up having like play dates at my house Um there um there was one oh, I'm going off if I'm going off a tangent you got to stop me because I'll it's just keep cool. going it's cool I'm really <laughs> funny um um this beautiful um Labrador banjo I adore him um I'm really lucky with my clients because I actually love all of them so he he was just worried he was he was meant to be an emotional support dog and he needs his own emotional support so oh, bless him. Just, I, <laughs> I know so he's just worried of the world so, um, but once you're in a circle, you're in there for good and you don't have to like kind of introduce yourself again. So we started taking him out and he made friends with Sophie. And as Sophie was like, kind of like being interested in people, interested in things, he was like, this is all right. Like, I this isn't scary. This is okay. And he did so well with having her that they got him his own dog. <laughs> they got two Labradors. So... <laughs> This, this this little girl had an allergy to the um to her fur and was going to be doing a um like an allergy desensitization thing in America but then like covid hit so anyway so she so Zoe's now with um with Banjo but Zoe needed her own help because she's too exuberant and excited to meet people so and dogs the other extreme of yeah the so she would scream and lunge and bark and he'd go what's happening so now we're like we <laughs> we were training Zoe separately to like it's okay you don't need to meet everybody you see and this is a lead you've probably not been on before because we don't think you have and then so then and we were like you know so anyway now like they um we all walk together and they're fine but it just makes me laugh that the emotional support dog now has an emotional support dog and that dog needs to chill around other dogs and um they yeah so they come over play dates now and they take turns with like you know who goes on the social walk and and um, her, her mum's, their mum's become like a good friend of mine as well. And she's like, I'm not even really into dogs. <laughs> I've got three of them. <laughs> but she's like the best ever. She takes them, she hires places so they can have off lead time. And mm-hmm. she's just like the chauffeur for these dogs. And, you know. Oh, but, I, um, I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, um. I don't know where I was going with that, but basically when you get to really know a client and they're with you long-term, mm. you can really get them to where they can be. It's um, seeing the full potential, isn't it? Where yeah, you're like, yeah, you can just... Yeah. And helping them... be cool Because I feel there is a real pressure and it's a society pressure of what a normal dog looks yeah. like. And what is perceived as normal is actually ridiculous. Like people are like, oh yeah, well, you know, dogs should be friends with all other dogs. What? Oh, it's how you raise them. It's how you raise them. (laughs) Don't even start me on that one. That's like one of my little soapbox moments. Um, (laughs) For me, 
my goal is for my dogs to be neutral with the environment yeah. and they have their yeah. friends and there are appropriate dogs They're that happy. they can interact and play with. Yeah. But there are also dogs that no, you know, no. like I'm yeah. I'm really mindful that Dodge is generally cool with females over six months old. Yeah. So if they're under six months old, dude, you're not like he'll walk near them and don't want to be a dad. Are they going to meet each other? No, he doesn't need to meet them, especially not awfully because he's a bloody big lad. And if he does decide to do something a bit knobby, I don't want him hurting that puppy just because he's putting himself and he's being a dick. Size difference, yeah. Do I allow him off lead around male dogs? No, not at all, ever. It doesn't happen. You know, maybe him and Larry, who we met today, in the future, we might go for a walk and they might have a little bit of off lead time. Part of the reason for that being, Larry's a greyhound. Right. If the worst came to the worst and Dodge decided that he's going to go after him, Larry's quicker. Yeah. Yeah gone they're gone bye you know and <laughs> i know that like larry has good recall dodge has good recall and actually you know if we're at the park and there are other dogs over there doing dog stuff over there that's cool it's incoming dogs that are yeah, yeah, not yeah. a thing for us um but one of the things that i found really interesting with you saying about like the social walks you put on is i love that that you're giving your owners an opportunity to do normal in air quote dog stuff of going on a social walk yeah but in as controlled an environment as you can put it in so you're being mindful of what dogs are near other dogs you know a lot of people kind of I think would maybe say you know is is it okay for dodge to go to competitions but it's a controlled environment and like I know when we're queuing I know which dogs he can cue near and which dogs he can kind of be around and hang yeah. out with. And, and which dogs... doggy people, they get that as well, right? There's like a there's like a mutual understanding. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd say that. There are still people that allow their dogs to kind of eyeball him and lunge at him and all of that stuff. Okay. You know, one of the main things is, for him, is other dogs staring at him in the environment. So... I've spent a lot of time trying to teach Dodge that staring at other dogs isn't particularly polite. Mm-hmm. But, you know, herding breeds, they like staring because yeah, how you get stuff to move. So actually, one of the main things with us is like, as long as I've got a bit of room, if the dog is just either interacting with their human or kind of just sniffing and completely like, oh, whatever, there's a dog over there. He's cool. It's when they're looking at him, then yeah, the eye contact is so, cool. Can you just get your dog to focus on you or can you just stop I there know, a second and let me I get know. past the weather? It's but hard. This is the other thing is that I'm I'm quite confident now to go, I need you to do this for my dog to be okay. And yeah. I think this is one thing that people find really hard, isn't it, is advocating for their yeah. own dog because yeah. people don't know. And sometimes they're coming from a place of general, you know, maybe not love, but they're trying to be helpful by doing something. And you're like, actually, yeah. what you're about to do is the worst possible thing you could do for this yeah. dog. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. dogs are fine with me. Please no. not. <laughs> no. 
I know, I know. Like when when um when Haggy um comes and helps us, I make sure that the client knows to pretend that Haggy doesn't exist. So just think that like there's nothing on the end of the lead because Haggy will be friends with a dog way quicker than he will with a person. Mm -hmm. And we're not here, we're not here for that. We're here to help the dog. So if if you're and he's really funny, he always likes the we're like, oh, I don't think he'll cope with this. And he loves them. So we don't know who he's gonna like and who he's not gonna like yeah. dog wise, but person wise, we always know don't don't like don't go like don't look at him or anything like that and to be honest the people with reactive and nervous and worried dogs they get it it's the ones that don't have it that they don't get it right so then that's why they're my most favorite clients because they're so in tune they're so in touch there's just such a beautiful relationship there um um, um and I've, the I've thing got is one no that, um, one signed up no one went out and either rescued a dog or bought a dog and went I want this dog to struggle with the world. No, I know. No one did and that deliberately. Yeah, I know. And then they've got to like grieve and mourn the life that they expected to have with this dog. Like, you know, running down the beach and going for cafe lunches and things like that. And instead, you know, um, they, they've got, um, I'm thinking of Buddy now. Buddy's another one of my favourites. She She's so dedicated to this dog. He was like a RSPCA welfare case that she's like built a ramp for him so he can go swimming because she's got a pool. And she's she's bought for him his own like pool lilo because the one that he kept going on, he kept falling off. And then yesterday she sent me a picture saying she's got him a couch. And he, he's, he's a Sharpe German Shepherd and he's the most like delicious dog ever. So my first question is what human decided that was a good idea? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh God. Your face. I know. I'm I know. Like, I know. Why? Why would you do that? That's just stupid. I know. I know. I know. He's 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 taught me so much. Like, this I'm he all for outbreeding and crossbreeding to be sensible and for an yeah. actual purpose. If you're just yeah. crossbreeding shit just to crossbreed shit, please stop. I know. Stop crossing I know. things with shepherds. We don't need to she, do that. She's she's like she's so sweet. Like when we go out, she'll like fill the floor and go, Is this feel too warm for him? I'm like, he's fine. He's fine. And then like after his walk, it will like after his session, he'll go and um like because he's reactive in the car as well. He's <laughs> like, she's like, mate, it's like a cave. The back of her car's like a cave and I went I so I take it to like these really random like bush tracks so like we don't see anyone and like he popped his head through like <laughs> through like the the curtain where I was sitting and I got a picture of him oh my god he's so funny but because I'm because I so when she initially called me she said um I need help with this dog he's broken my leg I'm in a wheelchair I just adopted him he doesn't even know what a table is he's standing on it and it's glass and I was like okay <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> basically what and, you're telling me is you have a thing in your house that's feral cool <laughs> yeah. and like he bit me on the bum when I met him and he didn't bite oh, me a little shepherd tooth kiss <laughs> that's nice so he bit my bum and I, I was like ouch but I could tell it you know he was trying to get my attention but it wasn't like I'm biting you out of go away. It's, and I was like, right, he has kiss. absolute, he's got no social skills, no bite inhibition. Anything he wanted, he used his mouth. 
like he bit he's bit everybody right so he in in the time that I so she's become like a really good friend of mine now like I love her to bits and we've we've gone from her venting to me to me venting to her on I was like wait a minute I'm here for your dog (laughs) and um we've come so far like I sent her, um, I did a picture the other day, like Sophie was like, it had to be 200 meters away. She was a dot, like a blip. If he could see a blip, he would react. And now we're at the point where like, we're, we're walking together. Um, you know, this has gone through where it's been such a long-term relationship. We've gone through trial of medications. One wasn't good for him. It made him worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're on the right track. And then, um, then there's a possible pain element there as well. So we've added pain medication to that. And mm-hmm. now we're in like the perfect kind of, of like, um, you know, medications where he's, his adrenaline's reduced, he's got the pain, he's got the anxiety covered. And now we're like, we're really, really like getting like, like momentum with it. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 everybody else that's a liability so you know these people oh I'm good with dogs and you know all that kind of stuff is what puts him in a in a compromising position mm-hmm. and then upsets his mum who's done all this work right so she's one of those people I always laugh because she's like I always go out at 4 30 in the morning and I you know I say well you're probably going to see everybody that I know <laughs> because everyone goes out at 4 30 in the morning and hides so um like she she went up north with him um up to like uh, north australia um and like hired all this like fencing so she so they could get like a beach shack that he could be safe in so they literally hired fencing and put um bed sheets over it so then he could in and a paddle pool a pad, he had a paddling pool as well so he could enjoy a summer holiday with them you know and like she's just the best the best I know, I know, oh I know. She, God, whenever, they make my heart happy. I know. I have cried over this dog so many times out of like excitement to let her know that like what we've done today, you know. And she just trusts me with him, and um, and I like that to me is just such a an honor, you know. But again, dog- how like amazing is it to be getting that relationship with that? with that dog and their person and becoming part of the team to get that dog on the track where where it's cool. So I think the other thing is, is that so again, going back to those like social pressures of, you know, like earlier when you said, oh, cause when you walk Dodge and I was like, I don't. (laughs) Because. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I I tell people the time, don't walk my dog. And they're like, that's just stupid. If you, I know. If you step outside your door, then your dog is stressed. Then don't. Like, you know, honestly, today, dog... I always, we have a thing where um, generally, so the front door, then the driveway, and Dodge waits on the threshold. We've done loads of threshold training. I go, I open the van up. The van is open. Then I come back and I tell him, okay. And then he comes and he gets in the van. And today, because I was meeting my friend, I had him on his harness and the lead already. And I opened the front door and I just hadn't seen this dog. And all of a sudden there was a dog in the front of the driveway. And I have to say, I did use a body block today because I know I can do it with him. And I literally stepped in front of him and just shut the door behind me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that was good. And he was like, huh? What? He hadn't even clocked it because my reaction was so quick. So quick. Yeah. Yeah. It prevented anything from happening. 
which was cool. And yeah. then I was like, okay, and now we can come out of the house and go into the van. And yeah. oh my God, that was nearly really stressful. But I remember one morning, it was it was about six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I opened the front door with the dog. Luckily, Hubby was attached to him. He was coming for a walk for me, road walk. There was a water meter guy and the water meter's oh. right at the end of the driveway. There How was a man it. kneeling down on the floor in our driveway. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to lie. I don't yeah. know who panicked more. I saw the man on the floor, but Dodge just went. This is not happening. And I was like. Yeah. And bless him. Dale went out and was like, oh, sorry, mate. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, it's his driveway. Totally understand. But we then wait five minutes for him to just calm down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to leave it and to be to honest, in, a year ago, if that had happened... He wouldn't have been walked that day. Yeah, yeah. That would have just been a abort mission. No, that's it. We can't. Yeah. If I'd been on my own, I would have aborted missions only because I had hubby with me. And he's Dodge is interesting because he is better with hubby. Um, and he's much better with hubby when I'm not there. Right, okay. Because I don't feel like he needs to protect hub. Like I think he's like, ah, well, if you get Ian, you're fine. Yeah, is that I'm not bothered about you? I'm Where is about that? Her. But mummy has to be protected at all costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mummy has to be protected. Yeah, um, sure. And again, though, I think that's a confidence thing because Dale hasn't had as many situations, but also I'm hyper vigilant because being a trainer, I know what I know. Mm-hmm. I'm hyper vigilant, and I think with a lot of these owners. The owners start becoming hypervigilant and you can have weeks and weeks and weeks of absolutely nothing happening. And then the second you have that yeah. bad walk, it unravels yeah. you again. And I know. And so like, hard. Yeah. And like, cause I, I'm not a very conf- confrontational person. Like I, like if once I'm in it, if I believe it, I'm, I'm good, but I try to, I don't like the, the, the start of anything like that and yeah we were over walking yeah. in a group and I had my high vis on and my friend went over and said oh we're, we're training a dog over there like can you do you mind that this guy had like seven or eight little Frenchies off lead and I had all my training I had my training my banjo my Labrador with me and um and like and and his new his, his new friend and oh there's a group of us right mm-hmm. so anyway this little Frenchie come running over and um my client was so worried of her Labrador hurting this little Frenchie. She mm. actually fell over and then a dog dragged her. So, and then this, when the man came over to get his dog, there was no like, oh my God, is she okay? There was none, none if, whether he thought we was in the right or the wrong or whatever it was, there was no like, is she okay? And then like my heart was racing and I thought now or never. And I went with my bravest voice. It's illegal to have dogs off lead here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started yelling at me saying your dog should be in a muzzle and I go no he shouldn't you know and we ca- it became like a screaming match and but that's and the it, thing isn't it and I do feel that people get really defensive and you're like yeah dude like, why, just like, own your mistake I know I know and like if he would have said is she okay I would have been fine with it right and then but I I always think about this situation as like um you know, when we think about like cortisol and like stress hormones and how long it takes for the individual to recover from a traumatic experience, mm. I for days was so angry and upset 
Mm. at what had happened I was angry that I didn't do enough and stick up for everybody I was there with I was I was emotional with the fact that like I had experienced that and like it took me like a week to get over so I say to people right if you go out for a walk every single day with your dog and your dog is scared of everything and everyone's like making him jump and a dog barks and a post-it postman goes by and whatever mm-hmm. if you're going out the next day this dog's got no recovery right so if whilst we're like just give them a break don't do anything even with my Sophie because she comes out of me like every day for work on the weekends I try and just like keep her quiet because she's just been out and about loads you know yesterday Dodge didn't leave the house because today I knew we were doing a training session yeah yeah so I wanted him at base exactly and that's like with the separation anxiety dog don't walk them before you take them out because if they get upset or adrenaline or whatever it is then you're like okay bye deal with that on your own it just makes things worse yeah yeah yeah. you know but with your clients do you I'm assuming from what you're saying that you recommend like days off and decompression yeah yeah absolutely yeah long line sniffy walks and with the clients I have as well like I I like I'm I feel like it takes a village to like raise these dogs right so I'm not like too much. I'm I'm always asking for suggestions and help. The the dog that I talked about before, I've had two other um certified behaviorists come in from me asking them, saying, "Am I missing anything?" Because mm. it doesn't matter how like what whether you're new into the industry or you've been here a long time. There's something to learn from everybody. Yes. So like someone that's new in the industry, they're up to date with all the new stuff that's going on. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, I didn't think of that. And then like the people that have been there for a long time, they've they've got stuff to give too. So I feel like everybody, and even pet people, I feel like you can learn from everyone. If you can leave your ego at the door, there's so much opportunity to learn. And so like with the um the other behaviors that I've asked to help, um, you know, they're being paid for that session. And I'll just come join it and go, ah. And what one thing that I learned from being in one of those sessions recently, um, which um from um Georgia, who also has the working line German Shepherd BT, um, Bellatrix, who's like super like, um, she said that when dogs aren't used to enrichment, because we're like, all right, let's 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 add enrichment to um like feeding enrichment to to Buddy's life because we want to make his life amazing. She said, you know, if he's not used to that, it becomes aversive because he's frustrated that he wants to eat and he can't get to the thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So we make sure that he's had a little bit of food. Yeah, and then we help him, you know, figure out the um the activities that he's doing, and he's got to the point where he's like, I don't, I can't bother. He likes scatter feeds, but he don't want to work for a wobbler, and um, you know, there's things that he does and doesn't like, and that like out of the two hour console, I picked that up and it stuck with me. Yeah. So there's little, do you know what I mean? So there's like little things you're like, oh my goodness, oh my god. There's um, and I didn't even know about the church down the end of my road until um another train. Well, I didn't know it was there, but I didn't even know it was a good training um environment until another dog trainer was like, I've got a German Shepherd. <laughs> that, there is a <laughs> point to this podcast, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to do a session with, and I was like, oh, where can we go? And we went down the street anyway. Before before I did this session with her, I I had never known of like um find it as a cue throwing food on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I picked up in that. So, yeah. you know, if you help people and they help you and you give advice and you take advice, you, you, the world's your uh, oyster. If we if we collaborated a lot more, it yeah. would yeah. it would make things there was, there, a lot better. There wasn't 
yeah there wasn't really when I got into dog training there wasn't really a, like a clear path on like how to get there mm-hmm. so so I started off as like a dog walker a pet minder I got a hydro bath I took dogs to weddings I was in the industry but I was like I've got an interest in aggression and I don't know how to get there so I started like volunteering and then I was working with this guy and I, I didn't really understand why he was doing what he's doing and I didn't really agree with it but I didn't know why old school methods nothing really too bad but I just didn't really get it and then I started volunteering and like going to seminars and webinars and then um finally IMDT came to Australia but not that long ago it's been in England a lot longer yep and there's lots of other really brilliant paths now as well where like you can you know and with the IMDT in Perth because it is quite new everyone's really supportive and knows each other so you're like networking with all these other trainers that got their own strengths like I I call myself a lazy trainer like I'm not one that's going to go in the garden and teach my dog all these tricks like um when they did a filming day for IMDT in Perth they went around to every person with their dog and were like what can you do with your dog and they got to me and I went Sophie be a dog because <laughs> that's all she does she's a dog and she there's nothing wrong with that and I I know I know because again I think as trainers we get this pressure on us that oh my god our dogs should do all these cool things and yeah I'm a sport dog person you know I love doing dog sports stuff now and I've kind of gone away from the pet stuff and now specialized obviously in hoopers for me but that's what works for me and, yeah, and the dog I have now. You know, the chihuahuas are laying on the sofa like, yeah, y'all have fun over there. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They but actually Chica always did loads of stuff. So I didn't mean, so there was always lots of training things because that's what suited us. Whereas yeah. there are dogs that, you know, to be honest, if I hadn't have discovered Hoopers as a sport, I don't know what Dodge would be doing because... Yeah. He's not suitable for agility. He's certainly not suitable for any of the IGP or um, Mondio or any of those type of sports. And even obedience because of his structural imperfections wouldn't have been a good route for him either. So it would have been either tricks, which we're very mindful of what tricks we do, or luckily I discovered Hoopers, which is suitable for him. Brilliant, perfect for you. But I love the fact that you are so honest. My my dog's a dog and helps other dogs be dogs. And that, do you know what? Like, it makes me a little bit sad in a way because, like, when you showed me Sophie earlier, like, I could see little bits of my munchkin in her. And I was like, oh my God, she reminds me of the boobies. And you know, that was one of Munchkin's big things was she helped lots of other dogs that were worried by other dogs. And she was such a cool stooge dog. And, oh, I'm having a bit of a moment, sorry. It's like, it's finding what's good for that team and what works for that team. And if if that's Sophie's little mission in the world and you and her as a team can help other dogs. Yeah. She's got this special, That's like, amazing. I don't know. What I it love is with her. And they all love her. I don't know what it is, but they all love her. And, like, if you think that she was a, her own little rescue camp dog who screamed at everything, lunged at cyclists, was told at puppy school she's aggressive, you know, she started soothing with me at, like, six months old. And I, like, I, I couldn't imagine life without her, you know. And, like, because yeah. she was such a difficult puppy as well. There was days where I was, like, and I, t- I say this to, to clients as well because it's, like, you shouldn't, feel like you've got to have the perfect air quotes dog because you're a trainer or whatever you want to call yourself because you're relatable when you can say I struggle with my dog 
you know I she was a nightmare as a puppy I've got I've got memories of like um I put my son in a cardboard box so he could watch TV because all she wanted to do was pull his pants down and tug on him. And I kept. I mean, that's like, a really ready. good solution, though. I'm just going to yeah. say, the child in the box is fine. He that's thought it was like, it was quite brilliant. Yeah, it was coloring in on the inside of it and she's tugging on the, you know. And so, because I was always having her in her area, she was crate or she was on a lead with me. And there was days where I was like, so my husband's FIFO and I was pregnant when I got it. So she, she was like, we're doing IVF. So she's like my little fertility puppy that helped you know, whatever. I, I feel like she's my little fertility puppy. But um, <laughs> and then I was like, this is terrible. I'm pregnant with a baby and you're a nightmare. And there was days where I was like, okay, I care for I you because you're an animal, but I don't really like you right now. Hmm? And because I loved my, my, my previous dog, Prince, so much, I was like, am I ever going to have the same love with this dog? And like, no, it's not the same. It's different. My life is different and my yeah. love is different. But I literally, I can't even tell you how much I adore this dog. I just absolutely, like I sleep holding her foot. Like I just love her so much. And like when, even when I ask clients, okay, where does your dog sleep? And they're like, oh, in the bed. I'm like, brilliant. Why not? Have your dog in the bed. It's not a problem. You know, Dodge it's doesn't like want to dog... sleep on the bed. Dodge is like, y'all humans are too hairy. Like, no, yeah, it's too hot. Like, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And, and 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 that's it. It's like and, and and a lot of the people that have got into dog training or behavior is because they have adopted a dog oh, that has Oh my god, yeah, I think virtually every trainer I speak to has had that dog that has yeah. got them and on that's the where journey they've got the skills. To, yeah. to learn like, more and to do better and to find a good ethical way of training and how to give their dog the best existence they can. And I think that's what's exactly. I say to people as well, like I say, look, this journey, I said, you might be, you know, what, whatever job you're is now. I said, but you're going to finish up a dog trainer <laughs> because the, the knowledge that you're going to have and like yeah. the relationship you're going to have. I did a, um, last year I did a um, IMDT like um, recall workshop just, yeah. just because I think it's, you know, stay in, stay in the loop, what's going yeah. on. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to do this. So we, I did a, um, a recall workshop with everybody in my estate. Oh my gosh. Like these people, <laughs> the relationship that, that the special dogs have with their people compared to like normal air quote dogs, there was none. Like there was, they didn't bring treats. They went on a harness. Their dogs were running everywhere. There was kind of like, there was just, and I was just like, okay, I really enjoyed this, but I'm not going to do it again. No, <laughs> and my, I, like... I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. And, you know, I think once we find our little, once we find our little niche, once we find yeah. where we sit, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. all for staying there. And I still like, you know, chatting about behavior things and stuff, but yeah, you said to, like I actually had someone yesterday go, "Oh, Carrie, do you do do you do pet training?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, I didn't even it. think like, about it. Got... I was like, mm, "No, yeah, no, I, re- ma'am, I do not. This is not my wheelhouse." Yeah, anymore. I've this removed that from stone. my website now. I've removed that part of my website because, like, like I like uh, although I respect it and I appreciate it, I have no interest in it. No, I, I, I think you know, that's fair enough. Yeah, and, and I'm absolutely fascinated by, like, the sniffer stuff, right, the scent detection stuff. But I just, like, I tried doing it with Sophie. After five minutes, she just starts shouting at me going, let's do something else. So, you know, I need to, like, because I thought it would be something cool to do at night time when the kids are in bed. But then she's, like, she can only do a few minutes of it, and then she wants to, like, do something a bit more, you know, that's but just also, her. also, if she's been at work with you that day as well, she's probably like, dude, we've done the work <laughs> today. <laughs> 
She I just know, likes running just around. Just have a little sleep now, please. I know, I know. <laughs> bless her. Like today, um, um, Haggy came to work with with us today, and they we we gave them some off lead time together, and like it just made my heart so full because I, I worry sometimes that where she comes to work with me, I'm like, you know. Does she like doing this? Does she like being here? Does she want to do this? So when we finish training sessions, sometimes I'll do like, I'll take her and do like blow bubbles for her and she can run around and frolic or all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And then today, like I, I was just so happy that she got to run and be silly with um Haggy because although she is really, really good with dogs and really resilient as beautiful body language, I never put her in a position that she's going to be like, hurt or upset and I know she trusts me with that yeah I know that I've got that trust so if we've got a dog if I'm handling a dog that's lunging and barking and she's with Linda she's got the same trust in Linda as well so there's she's just like this she's just like uh don't make me walk in a bull ant (laughs) yeah don't (laughs) take me near the mean ants there's like a dog snarling over there and she's like but there are ants over there and I'm concerned I know (laughs) she would rather she would rather a starey berry you know, lungy, barky dog than a, a bull ant. I mean, any to day. be fair, again, I'm team Sophie. She makes good choices. <laughs> Sophie I know. president. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And she, and then she comes home and steals all the chicken nuggets off the kids. So her life, well, I, I like to hope. Yeah, if I like you to give younglings like, chicken nuggets, then. I know, that, that's their loss. They, you know, fair game. lose. Fair game. But, I just want to fulfill her little life. Do you know what I mean? So, um, from the sound of it, Lauren, like you do more than that, and you and her are helping others, which is amazing. So, if people are in WA, and that's a big to, part. Um, like, yeah, we, which bit of WA? Because yeah, I'm like yeah, if people are in Western Australia. If you live in Australia, UK, you freaking idiot! <laughs> like, if you live south of the equator, hit me up. <laughs> I wanted to start doing remote stuff I've done one I've done one remote consult and it went oh. well apart from my son at the end coming with the whole chicken balls thing but <laughs> that's a story but, um, for another podcast I'm sure yeah. so if, <laughs> so you are starting to do remote work as well so if people want to kind of work with you if they've listened to podcasts we can do it remote yeah we, this could be I don't the need trainer to see. for me where do they find you and obviously we'll put it so, in the show um, notes but Oh, okay. So um, I'm on Instagram, um, which is Canine Conversations. Perth. I'm pretty sure. Hold on, let's check. I love that. I'm one of those people. Check what my Insta (laughs) handle is. You're meant to know this. Well, there it is. So I I ever post like 20 things on, I think, for a month. So, you know, you might see me, you might not. But it's a canine. Same. So. (laughs) Um, Canine Conversations Perth um is my instagram um and then um canine canine conversations is my facebook and my website cool. as well um don't ever call me because i will never answer i love that <laughs> i'm a, i'm i'm a texter or an emailer or you know, you I, know just what that, I love your so. honesty and you've pre-warned people you're like leave me a voicemail and i'll email you back <laughs> yeah even my voicemail says you got better like basically you got better luck at me um but I you know I don't say it like that but you do so text, I mean email. I, again I appreciate the honesty and it's the thing <laughs> so okay so um canine conversations in the website and the Facebook yeah. and then canine conversations perf if you want to do the insta yeah. do you do the TikTok? 
No, but we are. We're, so we've. I know I've talked about Linda about a million times, and so like she's she's spreading the word on ethical um like dog training um with like apparel. So if you look up her furry gremlins, the furry gremlins, she also can draw your dog. I've got my own Sophie on my t-shirt brilliant like oh, I go to me, work Miss Linda with... needs to come and talk to me about this stuff I know I know right so when I go to work I've got my dog with me I'm wearing my dog on me and then it says on it you know aggressive dogs aren't their label your dog needs an advocate not an alpha that kind of stuff so brilliant okay right yeah. so basically what you're saying is when I get to Australia um, I'm going to need to make sure there is room in the suitcase to bring home some cool clothes and stuff. Pretty much, you do. Okay. You need to come and meet Linda and then I pretend like that Haggy's not there. <laughs> and I promise you, once I'm... Once I get to that to the correct continent, we will we will meet up and we will yeah, have wicked. a good laugh and a catch up. We'll show you all, yeah, all the secret places to take. If your dog comes, we'll show you all our little places. Dog will definitely not be coming on the on the trip when I come over this year. That's definitely not happening. Okay. Um, the world is not ready for Dodge to become international, but I will be coming over to teach on my own. So, guys, as always, if you want to follow um, Canine Hoop as well, we are on the Facebook, on the Instagram. We are on the TikTok. It is officially TikTok now that I actually post on quite regularly. In fact, I post on that more regularly than all the that other. That is so like that's the so thing is though the social has become basically Dodge, and he is representing K9 Hoop as well. So there's a lot of stuff about him, muzzle training, and that stuff as well as Hooper. So you can find all of that yeah. there. And as always, guys, stay safe, be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock. <laughs> And don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Guys, I just wanted to ask you a real quick favor. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it's going to help other people find me and listen to what I'm doing here at Canine Hooper's World. We're now on all the socials. So we have the Instagram, we have the Facebook and we are officially on the TikTok at K9HoopersWorld and remember to check out our website www.K9HoopersWorld.com where you can find out information on in-person courses, online courses and if you're doing Hoopers with your dog you can also join in with our online achievement awards. These are open to any person, any dog, anywhere in the world to come and test your skills and get yourself a cool ribbon.